since we have kids here with us, I thought it might be good to let some kids tell us the Christmas story in a little different way. Go ahead and watch this. An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, what? I can't, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. A camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay, stay is a staple, and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angels said, a new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angels were singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes, maybe have to camp out at night. And then the wise men heard about it. And then a star appeared. Well, we should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. So the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, to have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold, Frank, and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby i ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> the new baby is gonna change the world. That video was produced by Southland Christian Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and when I saw it, I thought it was too good not to use. And obviously, today we want to talk about that story. And as we continue our messy little Christmas series, I want to focus for a minute on what the angel said to the shepherd. The most detailed writer about 
the life of Jesus, Luke tells us this in Luke chapter 2. That night, some shepherds were in the fields nearby watching their sheep. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord was shining around them, and they became very frightened. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news that will be a great joy to all the people. Today, your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. The angel gives them this important news, this great news that the Savior, the Messiah, the King has been born in Bethlehem. And then the angel says an intriguing thing. The angel says, here's the sign. Here is the tip-off. Here's the dead giveaway that will enable you to recognize the Savior and King when you get to him. And if you're a shepherd, you're probably expecting this sign's going to be pretty impressive. I mean, this is a royal child. And so you're probably expecting the angel to say you'll recognize the baby because you'll find him wrapped in silk or lying in a golden crib somewhere or uh, living in a fabulous palace because that's how kings do it in this world but the angel doesn't say anything like that the angel says this this is how you will know him you will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box and it's kind of ironic when you think about it, because today, whenever you see a nativity scene in someone's home or in a church or in a store, it always looks so neat and clean. I mean, the people in the nativity scene look like they just stepped out of the shower, that they spent some time fixing their hair and maybe grooming their beard, and their robes all looked ironed and uh, very uh, clean. But in the actual barn, really the cave that was used as a barn where Jesus was born, it wasn't that way at all. Because barns are messy places. Barns are messy places. And I'll guarantee you that when Mary found out that she was going to give birth to her baby in a barn, she didn't say to Joseph, hey, honey, aren't we lucky? I mean, they're giving us the stable to have our baby in, and that's so nice of them, and I think it's kind of quaint, and it'll make a, a really great decoration later. I don't think she's thought that at all. Mary was a teenager, maybe 14 years old, and this was her first baby, and she was about to give birth in a place designed for livestock. I don't think that she was excited about that. And they probably didn't worry about germs as much as we do, but as far as we know, nobody went through the barn and scrubbed it down with soft scrub or Lysol. It looked and smelled the way barns always look and smell. It was not a nice place for a baby to be born. And after Jesus was born, he was wrapped in rags and he was put in a manger. And in case you don't know, a manger is not a high-end product in the crib line. It's a feeding trough for animals filled with hay that animals have slobbered on. And that's where they put Jesus. And when the shepherds showed up in that cave, they didn't bring a big increase to the class of the situation. I'm sure those shepherds didn't buy their clothes at Macy's and 
Shepherds weren't known for their hygiene or for their social graces. But when the shepherds showed up, they found Jesus just as the angel told them that they would. Wrapped in pieces of cloth and lying in a feeding box and they knew this is the one. They knew this is the one the angels had told them about. And what the angel said to them is important because it clearly shows us that Jesus didn't end up in that stable or in that manger by accident. It was a clear indication that this king, this rescuer from God, would be different. He would not be ordinary. He would not be like the leaders predicted or imagined that he would be. He would be different. In fact, he would be extraordinary. He'd be extraordinary. And here today, over 2,000 years later, the fact that he was different still matters. It still matters to you and to me. And if we will let it, it can make a difference in our life too. So what's so different about Jesus compared to our rulers and leaders and other leaders or God? Well, I guess the first extraordinary thing about him is Jesus shows up in messy places. Jesus shows up in messy places. And if you're a follower of Jesus, remember who he is. He is God who has taken on human form to live on earth for a little while. And if you understand that, and if you believe that, that is just incredible. The king of the universe, the creator of the world, the alpha and the omega enters into human history in a little bundle wrapped in obscurity and poverty and humility. No power, no money, no fanfare, no applause, no news stories or headlines or tweets about him. He was literally born in a barn, wrapped in rags while surrounded by livestock. And his care, while he was in that totally helpless state, was entrusted to this poverty-stricken young couple. And I think God planned it that way to help us understand. I think God planned it that way so that we would understand there's no place he won't go. He will show up in the messiest places that you can imagine. Why? Because that's his signature. That's what God is like. Because there's no place he won't go. Because there's no thing he won't do. Because there's no depth that he won't descend to in order to bring God's power and God's love and God's grace and God's peace and God's goodness and God's presence anywhere that will have him. And this will be a sign to you and to me about Jesus, you'll find him in messy places. You'll find him in messy places. And that's really good news. That's really good news. And the reason it's good news is because 
we live in a really messy world. We live in a messy world, and every day it seems to get a little bit messier. Monday, a terrorist drove a truck through a Christmas market in Berlin, Germany, killing 12 and wounding dozens of other people. And unfortunately, we've become accustomed to attacks such as this. They've become more routine than they ever should be in our life. And we now live in a world where we have to be concerned about our safety and our security wherever we go. And the list could go on and on. Go to a news site or pick up a newspaper any day, maybe every day, and it will reveal how our world got just a little worse yesterday. And it's not just the world, is it? It's our own homes. Our personal world can be pretty messy sometimes. They can be pretty messy places. And we all contribute to the mess in our own little way. John Ortberg writes, some time ago, Nance and I were taking a cross-country flight back, back when we only had two real small children. We have three now, but at the time, Laura and Mallory were about three and one and a half. And we'd taken up the whole back row of our plane on this long flight because nobody wanted to be near us. And it was littered with dirty diapers, crackers, crumbs, and spilled milk. And it didn't look good and it didn't smell good. He says, you know you're in trouble when the flight attendant comes up and says, would you mind if your kids played outside? <laughs> we were wondering why we brought these kids with us on this trip and why we had these kids in the first place. And a guy, a couple of rows in front of us turned back and he surveyed the damage and he said to me, are those your two kids? And Ortberg says, I thought about it. And I said, yeah, those are my two kids. And he said, my wife and I would give anything in the world to have two kids. Nortberg said, you don't have any kids? And he said, no, we have five kids. We'd give anything in the world to have two kids. It's kind of funny thing about us. You take the stuff that we value the most, the things we value the most in life, people that we love, families that we cherish, and they often get messed up more than anything else. And we've contributed to the messes in our personal world, haven't we? I mean, we've messed up in our jobs. We've messed up our finances and our relationships and our conscience and our souls and we can't fix it. We can't fix it. But Jesus shows up in messy places. He shows up and helps us in the middle of our messy world. But the second thing that is extraordinary about Jesus is Jesus doesn't avoid messy people. Jesus doesn't avoid messy people. Announcing the birth of Jesus first to the shepherds is a clear declaration of the type of king that Jesus is going to be. Shepherds were outcasts in their society. They were known for their sinful, wild lifestyle, and uh, that's why they lived out in the field. Other people didn't want to be around them. Other people, holy people, spiritual people, religious people, avoided them. 
But one of the extraordinary things about Jesus is he never avoided the messy people in his world. In fact, he seemed to gravitate to them. He seemed to spend most of his time hanging out with them. And he was often criticized for hanging out with messy people. Look at this passage. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. From the moment he was born into this world until the time he died, and even after he rose from the dead, Jesus didn't avoid messy people. And I like that. I think that's important because I'm a messy person. And I'm not just talking about my desk. I'm a messy husband sometimes. I'm a messy dad sometimes. I'm a messy son sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes I'm a messy pastor. And often I'm a messy sinner. You see, I know things God doesn't want me to do. I know attitudes he doesn't want me to hold. And even knowing that doesn't stop me from doing wrong things or having wrong attitudes. Other times, I know what God does want me to do, and I don't do it. I don't do it. I'm a messy person, and so are you. And sometimes when we realize that we're messy people, we, we try to handle that in different ways. We try to pretend we're not messy. We, we just kind of try to hide that. Or we rationalize why our messiness is okay. Or, this is the good one, we find somebody who's more messy than we are so we can feel better about our messiness. But deep down, we know that we're messy and we often think, I have to hide my messiness because if everyone knew how messy I am, they wouldn't want to spend time with me anymore. If they knew how messy I am, they would steer clear of me. They wouldn't want to be around me. And then something ironic begins to happen because we're so afraid that people around us will avoid us if they know how messy we are, we pull back from them. We start avoiding them and hide from them and we isolate ourselves a little bit and somewhere in there we convince ourselves that God doesn't want to be around me because of my messy life. And we pull away from him and we stop going to church and we stop communicating with him and praying and then we find ourselves avoiding God because we assume that he would avoid us. And if that describes anything you've thought while dealing with the fact that you are a messy person, don't miss what Christmas is all about. Don't miss what Christmas is all about to perhaps the messiest of the messy people that he had to choose from. God sent an angel to say, here's the good news. Here's the great news of Christmas. Our God is not afraid of your mess. Our God is not afraid of your mess. He knows that you are messy and he loves you anyway. He's not avoiding you. He came to earth 
because he loves you. The God who was born in a stable and laid in a manger will come right into the middle of your life no matter how messed up it is. And that brings us to one last wonderful, extraordinary thing about him. And that is Jesus cleans up our messy lives. Jesus cleans up messy lives. As I indicated last weekend, sometimes people decide they believe in Jesus. And they decide that they want to follow Jesus. And they think, before I can do that, I have to clean up my messy life. Before I can trust in Jesus and commit myself to him, I have to clean some things out, uh, up. They think, you know, I've got a mess somewhere in my life and I have to do some kind of moral improvement project before I can come to Jesus. And so they set out to do good things, thinking that doing good things will make them okay with God. And uh, we try to help others and we try to show compassion and we try to make sure that the good things that we do outweigh the uh, sinful things and the mistakes that we have made. But as hard as we try, it just doesn't work. Because no matter how good we are, we just can't be good enough. Because... All of us have sinned. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have failed to live up to God's plan for our life. And the Bible is clear about this truth. Look at this from Isaiah chapter 64. All of us are dirty with sin. All the right things we have done are like filthy pieces of cloth. All of us are like dead leaves and our sins, like the wind, have carried us away. Underline those first three words, all of us. All of us. If you are feeling like a mess today, you need to know you're not alone. You need to know you're not alone. All of us are dirty with sin. And as the verse says, all of the good things that we have done are just like filthy rags. Our good deeds cannot fix our mess, but Jesus can. Jesus can. He says, you don't have to clean up your own mess. I'll do that. Jesus says, come to me just the way that you are. Come with your messy world. Come with your messy sins, and I will accept you, and I will change your life. I will help you move past the mess and enjoy a better life. Jesus says, just give me all of the broken pieces and leave them with me and I can put them back together. And not only will I forgive your sins, but I won't even remember it anymore. And some of you are thinking, but pastor, you don't know how messy my life is right now. Or you're thinking, you know what? I tried that years ago. I listened to some preacher and I trusted in Jesus and I let Jesus forgive me. I let Jesus give me a second chance and then I screwed up that second chance. I messed it up again and I made promises to him that I didn't come close to keeping and you're thinking he isn't going to clean up your mess again and you're thinking it's even a bigger mess now than it was the first time that you asked him to clean it up. Here's the good news, friends. Jesus really doesn't care how messed up your life is. He doesn't care how many second chances you need. Your mess doesn't scare him. Your mess doesn't scare him. 
And it doesn't scare him because he started his life in a mess, wrapped in rags, laid in a manger. And he ended his life in a mess, wrapped in rags, covered in our sins, hung on a cross. And in between the first day and the last day, he mostly hung out with some pretty messed up people. He kept loving them and embracing them and touching them and teaching them about a better way the only way to eternal life. That's what he does. That's who he is. That's why he came to earth in the first place. When he went to the cross, the reason that he went to the cross was to take on the mess of the whole world, the mess that you and I can never straighten out, my sin, my hurts, my hang-ups, all of my junk, and all of yours. That's what he was taking on himself messes don't scare him at all so to really messy people in a messy place the angel came and said i bring you good news good news that will be a great joy to all of the messy people in this messy world today your savior has been born he came to clean up your messy life. But here's the thing. You have to decide that you want your life cleaned up. Have you ever watched the television show Hoarders? I mean, it is about some people with a very serious disorder, but they just collect things, and they can't let go of things. And most of the time when they show these people their houses are stacked full of stuff that you and I would think is worthless. And they have these little paths through their house and sometimes it's so bad they're sleeping in their car because there's no place in their house where they can lay down. It's awful. And every time I watch the show, I get up and I find a box full of stuff and I go through it and throw things out. You know, it's very motivating to me from that standpoint. But what is amazing about the show is those people have a hard time letting go of their mess. The people who are trying to help them have a hard time getting these people with this illness or this problem to let go of their mess. And time and time again, they have to fight people to give up some of the things that have absolutely taken over their lives and these things that have controlled their world. You see, sometimes people are more comfortable in their mess than they are allowing their mess to be cleaned up. And God's enemy, Satan, is going to try to make you think in a similar way. He might be doing that right now. We've talked about how Jesus came to clean up messy lives and, he, and Satan will try to convince you that you need the mess of your sin. That you need that. That you really won't be you without it. And, or that there's nothing really that you can do about it anyway. He wants you to believe that you're finished, that you're no good, that you're washed up, that it's hopeless, that you're stuck forever right where you are. But that is not the message of Christmas. That is not the message of Jesus. Jesus wraps his arms around you saying, you're not finished, you've just begun. You've just started. 
And I hope this time of year when we celebrate Jesus stepping into our messy world and spending time with messy people, you will let Jesus clean up your messy life. You see, Christmas is the story of God entering our messy world and giving us what we needed most. He did it 2,000 years ago, and he will do it for you right now, today. How does that happen? How does Jesus clean up our messy lives? Well, he did it by dying on the cross and taking all of our sin, all of that filth upon himself. Look at this verse from 1 John chapter 1. Then the blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. If we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. He will cleanse us from all the wrongs we have done. And so today you need to turn to Jesus. You just need to turn to him again or for the first time. You need to accept what he did for you when he died and he died to pay the price for your sin. Confess that you've sinned and ask him to clean you up. And if you want to do that, you might just pray something like this. Jesus, my life is a mess, and I keep trying to clean it up myself, but it isn't working. I confess to you that I am a sinner, and I need you to clean up my life again or for the first time. Lord, I want to be cleansed from my sin, and I will trust you to do that. Now, if you prayed those words along with me, if you prayed that prayer just now, that's a great step towards God. That's the best Christmas present you could give yourself right now, but you aren't done yet. The Bible says that there are some other steps that we need to take in order to be close to Jesus. And if you prayed that prayer, we want to talk to you. We want to talk to you about what it really means to turn away from your sin and turn towards Jesus. The Bible calls that repentance. And we want to talk to you about what it means to die to your old life and to begin to live a new life in Jesus by being baptized. And if you prayed that prayer, I hope you'll talk to myself or to Pastor Bill or to one of our first step people over here by the piano after the service because we want to help you to allow Jesus to clean up your life. We want to help you with that. And I pray, I pray, I've been praying all week that you would be sick enough of your mess that you would let Jesus come in and clean up your messy life. Let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, right this minute, there are people who are resisting what you're trying to say to them. In their minds, they're trying to convince themselves that they're not that messy anyway or they're trying to convince themselves that you really wouldn't accept them or love them. Father, I pray that you will just speak into their heart and into their life and let them know how much you love them. Help them know, Father, that you're okay with their mess and that you want to change their life, and that's why Jesus came. Father, thank you so much for loving us in the midst of our messy world and our messy life. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to cleanse us from our sin. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Pastor Steve said, we're here for you. We know in the midst of all the joy, sometimes we're overwhelmed with the pains and the hurts of life. And if you need someone to talk to or pray with, we're here for you and we're available for you. There's someone by the piano after the service or with our First Step team or myself or Steve or any of us pastors are available to talk or pray with anybody that may need it after the service. And I just want to highlight that um, we will be having, having services next week. Our times next weekend, um, the New Year's weekend, Saturday at 5.30 and Sunday morning at 11 a.m. But you definitely want to come and be a part of one of those services because we're going to take the next step and look at some practical ways of how we can build that foundation of overcoming the mess in our lives and living in a life of rewards that God wants to offer. You know, I love the verse in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that says, God rewards those that earnestly seek him. I really like the King James version of this verse because it says, God rewards those who diligently seeks him. That word diligently is such an amazing word because it's a focus. It's a determination. It's an all-out effort to seek something. And when we learn and read about the birth story of Jesus, we see many people who were living their lives in anticipation to seek the hope that was coming through the Messiah, the King of Kings. We see the shepherds. We see the wise men. We see this man by the name of Simeon that was told he will not die until he sees the birth of the Messiah. And these people lived their lives seeking the hope that came through Messiah, the Messiah. And I know if you're like me, so often we live in mess because we don't seek the king. We seek ourselves and what we want. And then we just kind of go into this endless circle of mess after mess after mess. Every week here at Impact, we come together to remember why this king came. He came, he was born ultimately to die for us, to give up his life so that we may have eternity of rewards. That's what the cross is all about. And so right now, as we continue our worship, we just want to pause for a moment to remember the sacrifice that he gave. This is our time of communion. If this is your first time at Impact, as the emblems are passed, feel free to just take them as you will. You know, take them as they're passed, or if you want to hold on to them for some time of quietness, and then take them that, do it as you will. But this is an opportunity to remember what God gave through his body and through his blood that gives us freedom. Because God said he rewards those who diligently seek him. And let's use this as an opportunity to pause from the craziness of our life and begin that journey again like the shepherds, like the wise men, like Simeon. And let's live our life in anticipation that the king's coming back. And we want to live every day earnestly and diligently seeking him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much because you came to us first. And Lord, we just give you all the praise for that. You came to give us hope. Thank you for coming to be our Messiah. Thank you for coming to be our Savior. And Lord, right now, we just want to pause from the craziness of our life. And may we seek your heart. And through your heart, may we find the rewards and the peace that we long for. It's in your name we pray. Amen.